All right. Good evening, everyone. It's always good to come out and just hear from the Lord, hear what the Word has has to say to us by the Spirit of God. So um, let's open up our Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 4. Uh, we'll be picking up at verse 13. So let's pray. Thank you, Lord. We uh, look to you. Uh, Lord, you are our teacher. And we acknowledge that, Lord, all we do is sit back and listen to what you have to say. So we ask that, Lord, you would speak to our hearts and uh, encourage us, strengthen us, that, Lord, we may be able to do as the uh, apostles did, that they went back out and did it again. Even after so much stress and problems, after being strengthened by you, they went back out and did it again. So we pray for that tonight, that we'd be strengthened so we could go back out and do it again. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, if you remember from our last few chapters as we've been going through, uh, Nehemiah's, Nehemiah has been commissioned by the king. He's gone back to Jerusalem. He's looked at Jerusalem, and it was complete devastation. And so he brings this news there to the priests, to the Jews, to the nobles, to the officials, and to the guys who were doing the work. And he encouraged them with some really important words. He says, God's good hand was upon me. You know, isn't that a good thing to be able to say, God's good, God's good hand is upon me. And uh, whether or not, if you look at this time, it was a devastating time, but God's good hand was upon him. And no matter what the circumstances are, if you're walking with the Lord, God's good hand is upon us. So as he spoke to them, they all agreed, yeah, okay, great, God's good hand is on us, let's get to work. So they got to work. But you know, if you've been walking with the Lord long enough, you know that, that once you make a commitment of direction to follow him, the next thing is resistance. And you, have you ever found that? I mean, it just seems like when I put my hand to step in, it's like I meet all of this opposition. And we found out that these guys... Uh, Sambala, Tobiah, and Geshem, uh, they came and uh, they opposed Nehemiah and, and all of the work that they were doing. And they even uh, opposed the, the king's support and cast doubts that it even was a real um, document that, they could, that he could have to be able to go there and build, um, rebuild Jerusalem. And so Nehemiah, I love the Nehemiah's attitude. You know, he says, you know, who are you? You know, kind of like, who are you? You have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. You're not with us. You're not a part with us. So you don't even have to, you don't have no right to share in any of this. But I'll tell you, as we know, as we go along, their resistance doesn't stop there. And so we just need to make sure that we constantly are going back and uh examining our walk, looking where we are, making sure that our steps are in the steps of the Lord, that we're watching him, we're matching our life up to the scriptures. And so we see that with Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a man of God. He, he was a man of the word. So Nehemiah, as soon as the resistance came, he set an example for us and he went before the Lord and began to pray. And so that's true for us. If there's opposition, just take it to the Lord. Well, last week, we saw that the walls, the gates were being rebuilt, restored, put together. And then there was an influence that began to infect them. The ones that were coming from the outside, the Sambalats, the Tobias, and the Gershoms. Geshems, not Gershoms. It wasn't a Jewish guy. It was an Arab. 
They began to influence them, and it began to basically infect those that were inside doing the work. Those that were the opposition from the outside began to affect those who were on the inside who were doing the work. Because, see, they were getting tired, you remember? They were tired, and they were just beginning to get kind of discouraged because they were looking at this whole mess. And Zechariah, when he was talking and he's prophesying about this whole situation of the monumental uh, uh, stones and things that were all over the place. And we know this scripture because everybody always quotes it, but the, the whole reason is that he says, it's not by might nor by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord, that this mountain will be removed. And he's talking about the mountain of rubble that was there. And so it's not by might nor by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. So it seemed like they were being hit from all sides. They were felt like that. It's like you just get up and you get another smack or whatever. And it seems like the battle is on every side. You know, when it's like that with us, I want to encourage you, like Nehemiah, don't run from the battle, step into the battle. Fight the good fight of faith. Step towards the situation, don't run from the situation. Get your eyes on the Lord and watch and see the great and mighty things that he will do. And this is where Nehemiah is at. And he says in verse 13, Therefore, we know that means to look back, and he's talking about the threat that, that they were uh, uh, speaking of there in verse 12. He says, therefore, because of the threat in verse 12, I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings, and I set the people according to their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And they looked and arose, and I said to the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight your fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Remember the Lord. I, I, I like that. He's in the battle. First thing he says, remember the Lord. You know, that'd be a cool thing. You know, just always somebody, we're in the midst of something. You know, remember the Lord. Don't forget God. He's here. The fight that we fight in the spirit, the, our spiritual battles, it doesn't just affect us. It affects everyone around us. It affects our families. It affects our friends. It affects the church, our brethren. And so whatever we do and whatever we're fighting, whatever is going on, it can affect us and affect us as a whole, as a group, as a family. But notice Nehemiah's men not only had a mind to work, they had a mind to fight. I love that. They had a mind to work, but they had a mind to stay and put and anchor down, hunker down. So Nehemiah sets them at st strategic points there on the ramparts of the wall. When it says the openings, he's talking about the upper part of the wall where you see those parts. And I'm going to have a video or uh, some pictures here in a minute of a model that's in Jerusalem that shows the eastern wall and then also the, uh, the western steps and the, the temple and everything. But you can see at the top of those, you've seen those those those. Uh, castles where they have that part that goes like this well that's that's all around in there on the walls there in jerusalem and so he places all, all a lot of the men up there on the upper part of the wall and he put them in a position to where uh the enemy could see their strength they could sit back and go wow look at all those guys then he positions others behind the wall so they could reinforce 
as the enemy would attack. So they don't even know half of the amount of people that they have. So they, they're sitting back in this good strategic uh, move on their part. So Nehemiah, as he's looking around, and there's the nobles, the leaders, and all the rest, he looked in their eyes. And what he did is he saw fear. He saw fear. He saw them that they were beginning to falter. And, then the, and so he set them, and he looked around and rose and said to the nobles and the priests and the rest of them, do not be afraid of them. When it says something like that direct in the scripture, that means that they were afraid. That means it's speaking that there's fear there. And where fear is, faith isn't. And so as he's looking around, he looks and sees their eyes. And so he readjusts their focus. I'll just say that again. He readjusts their focus. And many times that's what we have to do. If you see a brother or sister that's falling into fear, readjust their focus. Remember God. Bring him back into the equation. If you see where fear is, you know that faith isn't. And you've got to fix your eyes on the author and the finisher of your faith. Fix your eyes on him. That's what, that's what Nehemiah is doing. And so he says to them, The Lord, great and awesome, he is the one who will fight for you. And don't forget your families, your homes. They're worth fighting for. Amen? Amen. He's worth, they, we're, we're worth fighting for. You're worth fighting for. Your family and your kids. And we can have an effect on those around us as we can see right here. And the cure for faith is getting our eyes back on God. Getting our eyes on the Lord. Psalm 118 verse 6. It says, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? You know, that's the thing is, you know, if God be for us, who can be against us? And that's really just an Old Testament verse that, uh, that, that translates over to that verse uh, in the New Testament. And then Hebrews, it says here in verse, uh, chapter 12, verse 2, looking unto Jesus, that means fixing your eyes upon Jesus. That's what that word means, to, to look upon or look to. It means, uh, like Jesus said, he fixed his eyes like flint to go to Jerusalem. In other words, he wasn't distracted by anything other around us. He wasn't going to listen to anything else. He was focused. We know that Peter would sit back and, you know, say, not you, Lord. And he said, get behind me, Satan. You know, you're mindful of the things of men, not the things of God. And these are that's fixing your eyes on what God is calling you to do. And Jesus is our our champion. He is our example. And he shows us when you when you're called by God in the direction that you're called by God, Fix your eyes on what the calling is and go for it. And you're going to get opposition. You're going to get this. But this is what he's saying. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. You know what the joy was? You. It was you. For the joy that was set before him. You could put who for, put your name in there, that was set before him. He endured the cross for you, despising the shame for you, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Fix your eyes on the author and the finisher. He's the one. It's not any person. It's not any place. It's him. Now, I want to tell you something about the enemy. Nothing disturbs him more than seeing a believer fixing his eyes on the author and the finisher of his faith. Nothing disturbs him more. You want to you rock the enemy? Get your eyes on Jesus. Don't worry about him. Get your eyes on Jesus. James 4 says, Whenever 
I want to ask you, before I say this next verse, how many of you have ever been in a spiritual battle? Raise your hand. If you haven't been in a spiritual battle, let me tell you, we got to talk. That's one of the first things that happens as a believer. Doubts, fears, discouragement, disillusionment. Guess what? Those are battles. Those are battles. James 4 says, submit to God. Bring yourself under His covering, under His banner, under His authority, under His protection. Submit to that. Go to that. Grow in that and allow that. Resist the devil. That means that's your part. God says, come to me and I will strengthen you. I'll uphold you with the righteousness of my right hand. I'll hold you. I will keep you. And then he says, then he says, resist the devil. That means whatever you can do to resist, then resist. And he will flee from you. And verse 15 says, and it happened when our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had brought their plot to nothing that all of, the, all of us returned to the wall. Oh, wow, praise God. He's flee. He's gone. Everyone to his work. So it was from that time on that half of the servants worked at, at construction while the other half held the spears and the shields, the bows and, uh, wore, ar- and wore armor, and the leaders who were behind all the house of Judah, those who built on the wall and those who carried burdens, loaded themselves so that with with one hand they worked at construction and with the other held a weapon. Every one of the builders had his sword girded at his side as he built, and the one who sounded the trumpet was beside me. Faith conquers fear. Faith conquers fear. Satan, you know, he wants to stop the work of God. If there's progress in the things of the Spirit, the enemy wants to stop that. He doesn't want that to happen. He doesn't want you to grow in love, joy, peace. He doesn't want the fruits of the Spirit to grow in you. Long-suffering, temperance. He doesn't want you to grow in any of those. He wants you to fall back on the reliance of your strength of your own flesh and your own understanding. He wants you to sit back. You know, Proverbs says this. It says, lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge Him. He wants you to learn, learn, go back and lean on your own understanding. When you don't understand anything, go to God. Israel at one time, they were in, in Chronicles. They were up against the wall. They didn't know what to do. And they said, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. When we come to a place where we don't understand which way to go, commit your way unto the Lord and he will establish your path. If you rely on you, you're going to falter. I faltered. Every time I've ever relied on my own strength and wisdom, I faltered and I failed. But every time I've committed myself unto his way, he's always, he's always brought me through. Every time. It may not have happened just like that, but he did. And so he is faithful. And so as soon as the enemy found out that Nehemiah knew about their plans, God brought their plot to nothing. I love that part. God did it. In other words, they no longer had the, the, the heart to attack. Once they found out that Nehemiah knew their plans, well, they were already going to shut us down there. Also notice as they built the wall, it was built with a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other. A trowel in one hand and a sword in the other. So there's two things here. The trowel speaks of the practical aspects of service. 
the the physical part, the things that we do that are kind of like maybe seem menial, but they're they're very important. The building, the fixing things, and the sword. We know that what the sword speaks of, don't we? It speaks of the things of the spirit, the spiritual aspect of God, the spiritual act of service. See, God wants us, and He expects us not only to be practical workmen, but to be spiritual workmen, men and women. He expects us to be spiritual, seeing things spiritually. You know, uh, Romans 8, 6 is, for to be carnally minded, that means that you're thinking with your own strength and your own reasoning and going to that. Uh, that's how come, if you, as you get to know me, you're, you're going to find out this. I always try to find a, a scripture for what I'm talking about and when I'm talking. I want to have a foundation for what I'm saying. I don't rely up anymore, I've learned. Don't rely upon your word, Dan. Rely upon his word. And I always try to find a verse for where we are and why we are. So that it's your, it's your strength and it's your help. And if we can do that for each other, we find a verse. Why we're talking about what we're talking about. It will establish his authority and not ours. He must increase and I must decrease. Decrease. So for to be carnally minded is death. In other words, you're not going to get anywhere. It's not. It's just going to go off the cliff. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. That means to be surrendered and allowing the Holy Spirit to be able to speak to you. And allowing him and the word of God to influence you and speak to you. You know, he cannot speak to you if the word of God is not in you. The word of God gets in you, then the spirit of God will touch you. The word of God and then out of your innermost being will flow those rivers of living water. Okay, we I, I used to sit back and think about the mechanics of how that works. And this is how it works. You sow into your heart and your soul and your mind the word of God. Then as you're in those moments and you need to have that out, the Holy Spirit, as you're allowing him and you're letting your spiritual uh, uh, heart be sensitive to, he flows out of that. And when you speak, it sounds great. It's awesome. But it's not you. It's God. It's the Word of God and the Spirit of God working in the people of God. I'm a surrendered servant, a vessel. And allowing that to happen is the most glorious thing that a believer can have. Is that you can sense when you speak that it's the Word. It's God. He's speaking. I love it. I used to hear Pastor Chuck say things like, you know, you ever blessed yourself? <laughs> he says, I was listening to one of, my, one of my messages the other day, and I just, oh, I just blessed myself. You know? But it's the Lord. It's the Lord speaking. And when Paul's talking to Timothy concerning this sowing into our hearts, in 2 Timothy 2.15, he says, Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker, a worker who does not need to be ashamed Rightly dividing the word of truth. The word dividing there is dissect. You know, we get that in, in those, those people in the medical field and science. You dissect things. You tear it apart. Well, what's that mean? You're going to get down to the, to the base root of whatever it is that you're looking at. And so that's what we do with the word of God. Don't let your Bible just sit there, you know. Well, this is the family Bible. It's been in our family for 5,000 years. And you open it up and not even a page has any dents in it. 
That's not what it's there for. It's there for to be rightly divided. It's there to be marked up. It's there to be used. It's there to be, oh, oh, where is that? Was that over here? You know, Susie and I sit there. A lot of times we'll be sitting there like this morning. She brought up something and we went back. We went through a whole study of Exodus and Moses going up the mountain, down the mountain, up the mountain, down the mountain. You know, it wasn't just two times he went up there. And we sat back and we, we I, I was studying, doing for this for tonight. And she brought over and she goes, look at this. And then pretty soon we're off on a rabbit trail. <laughs> but it's those wonderful, glorious rabbit trails where we end up getting fed even more. Because see, now I can share it with you, you know. Anyway, that's study to show yourself approved, a workman not ashamed, rightly at dividing the word of truth. So practically speaking, it's awesome to have a brother and sister to come stand alongside you when we're under attack. I have... I have been blessed since the Lord has allowed me to stand here. Of brothers who call me, send me text messages, emails. You're on my heart, Dan. I'm praying for you. And there's times they don't know how much it means to me at that moment of what's going on. Now I'm going to get inundated with texts and emails. But, but it's okay. Send them on, man, because I need them every minute. It's good. But there are others, too. I'll tell you this. If somebody is put on your heart, don't just, don't just pass it off and go, okay, I'll pray for them. Send them a text. Let them know that you are. Reach out to them. Because you know what? You may be the only one that they can, can heal or touch a broken heart at that moment. You don't know what they're going through. I don't know what they're going through. But I appreciate it, and I know that many of us do. So practically speaking, that's coming alongside of someone and being there for them. Then there's spiritually speaking, it's the Word of God being led by the Spirit of God in that moment to strengthen us. You know, those, I think it was, uh, it was Ed. Ed sent me a word, and then I took him, and I found this scripture, that says, the words of the shepherd are like well-placed nails. Your word can be a well-placed nail, securely put to where that person at that moment finds strength because you nailed it. You nailed it. God promised in Philippians 1.6 that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And then Philippians 2.13, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. In other words, with God's calling comes God's enabling. If he's called you, he set you apart, then he's working in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. He wants to see you succeed. He wants to see you have a victorious walk. And he's going to complete it until Jesus comes. So that's reassurance there. So Nehemiah, he says here in verse 19, then I said to the nobles, the rulers, and the rest of the people, the work is great and, ex- and extensive, and we are separated far from one another on the wall. Where, when it, wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. For we labored in the work, and half of the men held the spears from daybreak until the stars appeared. At the same time, I also said to the people, let each man and his servants stay at night in Jerusalem that they may be our guard by night and a working party by day. 
when we were in Israel, and if I can have those slides, this is a model of the eastern wall. And right there you can see that's, that's a, a model of the temple. And so you see the eastern gate right here. You know, you've seen that, those pictures of the eastern gate. And just across of it is right down over here would be the, the Kedron Valley. And then up over here is the Mount of Olives. Well, you can see up at the top of the wall, those little blocks that goes. That's where the, a lot of the guys were placed up in there. But they, they had a great extension. There's another picture, I think, in there too. You can see that the extension of the wall went around. That right there was the, the housing for the Sanhedrin back there in that back part. The Antonio Fortress is over here. But the wall was extensive going all the way around. So they were really spread out. They were really spread out from one another. So to just give you a perspective, this is, a, this is just a model of the rendition of what it looked like. But it's a, it's a great example of what happened. And can you imagine there were the priests, the nobles, the leaders, and the workmen. And they were all spread out all over the place. And so they, as they were there, they all agreed, when you hear the trumpet and you hear it blow, it's time for backup. Call for backup. And so they would call for backup, and when you blow, I'll be there. We'll come running. Now these guys, as you notice there, they worked long hours. They went from sunup to sundown until the stars came out, and so they were still working. And half of them labored while the other half stood guard. Uh, it, was an, it was an amazing feat for them to complete this wall. And we're gonna, when we come to the place of the completion, you're just gonna, you're gonna go, wow. But see, being so labored down with the labor of the wall, it didn't leave much time for personal care, like washing your clothes. You know, you get around guys when they're working hard and out in the city. If you haven't been to Israel, it gets hot. And you imagine, you know, they get a little stinky, you know, and they, they're working away and they're not changing their clothes. And they, oh, you need some right guard, you know, whatever. It is getting pretty, you're pretty ripe, you know. So he said in, in verse 23, so neither I, my brethren, my servants, nor the men who, uh, men of the guard who followed me took off their clothes, except that everyone took them off. Or washing. So we don't know how long they wore them, but you can imagine it was. <laughs> they probably came to the point and said, "It's time now." So, so while they were occupied with the building, they were constantly on watch. Okay, I just want to say that to us here. While we're constantly building, we need to be on watch. We constantly be on watch. For them, the enemy could attack at any moment, and the same is true for us. I don't take it for granted that the peace and the waters are all calm, because I know the opposition, and I know the one who would like to tear us apart. And he, he's, he's, no, he's no match for our God, but at the same time, he doesn't want us to be stupid. He wants to be us to be vigilant. So they never took off their clothes except to wash them and get ready, and then they were in a constant state of readiness. Now, the verse for us is 1 Peter 5, 8. Imagine that work and where they're at. And the enemy is there and he's right outside the wall and he's ready to come at them. And Peter says, be sober. In other words, be serious. 
I mean, we can be joyful and we can be loving and we can be just all these sweet little moments. But at the same time, be serious. Be careful. Be vigilant. Vigilant means there be on watch. Be on watch. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And I want you to notice how they backed each other up. They're getting, one's getting cleaned up, the other one's standing watch, and so on and so forth. And sometimes we need that in a backup in our walk. Sometimes we need someone who will come alongside us and help us clean things up. You know, there isn't, there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none who does good, Scripture says. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all mess up. We all do. But it's great when somebody can have the love and grace and mercy and compassion and wisdom and understanding because they've been through it. Paul said, comfort ye one another, you've been comforted by God. You ever been comforted in unforgiveness or forgiveness? Forgiveness gives you comfort, but unforgiveness doesn't. So they come alongside and we need somebody. I need people to come alongside and help to straighten things out. And the way that happens is through the washing of the God's word. Never rely upon your opinion or your position or your point of view. Well, I think this or, or, or be careful. I mean, I love commentaries. I, you guys don't get me wrong. I love commentaries, but that's not the word of God. You know, we look to the word of God for the confirmation for the will of God. And if we begin to put our trust in mankind, Jeremiah, you know that verse that I've shared with you many times. Cursed is the man who puts his trust in mankind, who makes flesh his strength, and whose heart departs from the Lord. There is a problem if we begin to rely upon. I love everybody, all my friends who are got great commentaries, uh, David Hawking, David Guzek, uh, John Corse, and I can just name a whole slew of them. I love them all. But you know what? When I come to the Word of God, I compare them to the Word of God. We are to compare spiritual things with the spiritual. And that means whatever's been said by anybody, you take it and say, show me. Be a show me person. Thanks, Satan. I'm getting a little Pentecostal up here. (laughs) But I can't help it because of the Word of God. Yeah. I, I, I want to. And I I need to. And sometimes we need help putting our armor back on. Ever Ever had that? You need somebody to say, Dan, did you have your shield up? Did you have your sword? Did you have the word ready? What happened to your belt of truth? You're kind of you're kind of embarrassed because your pants fell down. Because it's it's embarrassing. It's a belt of truth. Breastplate of righteousness? What happened? A gospel on my feet ready to go? Are you there? Sometimes we need somebody to help us get dressed, spiritually speaking. If you're in a battle, you've been in a battle, sometimes you need somebody to come alongside. And here in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 20, it says, Whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us over here. Help us in the fight. Help me with the, my armor. Help me get it back on. And our God will fight for us. That's an encouraging word to come alongside somebody that's in a battle. 
God will fight, fight for us. Help them get their armor back on. In other words, point them to the armor that God has given to us. Isaiah says, Isaiah 61.10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. That's a good one, guys, gals. He has covered me. You notice he's clothed us. He's covering us. He's the one doing it, not us. He's covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. First, two things. We must abide in the robes of his righteousness at all times. That's our shield. That's our help. That's our strength. It's, it's in his righteousness and in his righteousness alone. I don't have it. My righteousness is, if you know scripture enough, right? Isaiah said my righteousness is like filthy rags. I can't even come close to God or come into the presence of God based on my, my goodness, my righteousness. Because my righteousness falls short. His, his completes me. He completes me. He makes it so that I can come boldly into the throne room of grace and make it so that I can bring my petition before God. I don't have it. But he does. And second, we need to be like as Nehemiah is here. They've got their clothes washed. They're ready to go. But they were in a constant state of readiness. Shielded by the armor and weapons God has given us. The weapons of our warfare, you know that scripture, are not carnal, but they're mighty in a God of God to be pulling down of strongholds. That means that there might be somebody that you get close to that maybe had a had a finger hold, had a toe hold, a foothold, became a stronghold, and now they're in trouble. And you have the armor that God's given to you to be able to come in there and cut through all of that. The word of God cuts through it, sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts through joints and marrow, truth and error. It shows us. Somebody says something, and you go, you ever had that? Somebody says something, and you go, what? Where's that? Well, you know, God helps those who help themselves. <laughs> well, wait a minute. Isn't that the practical side? No, that's not scriptural. It's not in there. If it was in there, I would be quoting it, but it's not in there. Really? Yeah. You're helping them when you help them pick up the right piece of armor. That's like taking a sword and a butter knife and to go into battle. You know? You want to go into battle with a double-edged sword or you want to go in there with a butter knife? I'm a, I would, give me that sword. Give me that sword. And that's what Paul says here to the Ephesians and as I just finish up here. Ephesians 6, 13 and part of 14. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the, in the evil day. And having done all to stand. You see, that goes back to resisting the devil. Okay. Having done all to stand, whatever you've got to do, do it to stand. Stand in that spiritual place. Take the gospel shoes and anchor them in. And stand with your shield 
and with your sword and your helmet and your chest, your heart protected with the righteousness of God and the truth around your, around your waist, and you're ready. Standing all, having done all to stand, stand therefore. That's his next portion of this. Doing all to stand, whatever you've got to do, stand, and then doing all that you can, stand therefore. Lord, we thank you tonight that, Lord, having done all to stand, we want to stand with you. You are our strength. You are our great reward. You are our shield. Thou, O Lord, art a shield about me. You're the glory and the lifter of my head. Lord, we look to you tonight, Lord, just to speak and to witness to us, Lord, of the great and mighty things that you want to accomplish with us and in us. Just a little more light. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just a little more light. (laughs) God's so good. That's perfect. Thank you. You know what the Lord spoke to me tonight? And, you know, we want to be sensitive to what the the Holy Spirit would, would say to us. And the Lord spoke to me tonight and he said, there's testimonies here tonight that people want to glorify God and what he's done in their lives. So if you have a testimony, you know, just two or three minutes that you want to share, it would be the benefit for it. So just let this time be a spiritual time to be able to identify and witness of the great and mighty things that God has done. So feel free. Don't be afraid. God's with you. And he was in the moment of your testimony. Okay? I've got one. <laughs> I've got more than one, but I, I, I used to build logging roads up in Washington State, and the forestry was supposed to have had this road closed, and uh, I had been witnessing to all these loggers and truck drivers and all the mountain men that were in the mountains there, and uh, they were supposed to have had the road closed. Well, I was coming down from the top of the mountain with a full load of gravel. We were building a road up there for loggers. And I, you come in these things called switchbacks, and you're going in and out of them. And, and once you pass on one truck, you just you let go, and you're f- flying down the mountain. Well, the, right on the side of the, the road there, it goes down for maybe, uh, I would say, uh, 1,000 feet to the bottom. And it's all been logged off. It's what's called strip logging. I came around this outside switchback to an inside switchback. And when I came in like this, here was a car. It was a Ford Falcon yellow with a white top, mother and father, and a little girl in the back seat. And I came down with my truck, and I was looking right at this little girl. And I still see her in my mind. She's like this, and I know if I would have hit her, I would have crushed them all, would have killed them all. So I pulled over, and I got over to the edge of the inside of the, of the switchback, the back, what's called the drivers on the truck, hit the back of like this, and I thought, okay, I've got it, I've got it. And then almost the nose of the truck went up like this, and I'm going, uh-oh, because they strip-logged. And when they strip-logged, there's no trees left except for the stumps, which are about this high, and some of them are like, you know, huge. So I'm going, okay, Lord, here I come, you know. And I went, and I was just, I was just at peace. I went over, and the truck stopped. Should have went right down the sh- truck stop. So I, I got my leg tore up. I crawled out of the truck. I got over to the side, and the guy in the, <laughs> the car came up to me. He goes, boy, that must have felt weird. 
And I go, yeah. So I went over and I sat on the truck and this guy, his, his name's Jack. Well, everybody in the mountains name is Jack. But Jack came over and he stopped and he, and I'd been witnessing to this guy. And, and you know what? It was so neat is Paul said, I didn't come to you in persuasive words of wisdom, but the demonstration and the power of the spirit. So I'm sitting there and this guy comes and I'm sitting there on the truck and he goes, Dan, you okay? You okay, Dan? And I go, yeah. I said, you know what? The Lord just told me, Jack. And he goes, what? When the truck went over, there was a tree left that was about this big around right there at that inside of that corner. And my truck went like this and just acted like a little brace to hold the truck there. I said, the Lord told me that he left that tree just for me. And he goes, he sure did. And this guy was a mountain man, a mountain man, mountain man. <laughs> but he did. So I could just, and, and I, God has been so good in everyone. And I know you all have testimonies. So we'll have some more testimony time on our Wednesday nights to come up. Because think about it. Ed, you have one tonight. I know you do. Yeah, he shared with me about, about a healing that just took place for him after we prayed for him. So I'm not going to rob you of your testimony if you want to share real quick. I'll put you on the spot. Don't worry. Amen. Praise God. Amen. I'm sorry, Ed. I drug, I drug you out on that one. <laughs> All right. Lord, we thank you tonight, Lord, just to be able to testify of your glories and your wonders. And Lord, I know every one of us have other incidents that have come up in our lives. But we overcome by your blood and by our testimony. We stand up, Lord, to be strengthened and to strengthen. So we ask that you would take us now by your mighty hand, Lord, by your good hand, that you would lead us and guide us and help us to go out and do it again as Peter and them did once they were beaten. They prayed that they could go out and do it again. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord bless you and keep you. Let's all sing together. Let's stand. <laughs> the Lord bless thee and keep thee the lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee and be gracious unto thee the lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen. Shalom. Let the peace of God rule your hearts and minds in Christ. God bless you. Fellowship and love on one another. God bless.